This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Double Tap. I am Stephen Scott. Sean Priest is with me, and today we are turning the microphone over to you. Yes, today it's all about you and your feedback on today's episode for Wednesday, the 7th of December, 2022. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you? I'm well, Stephen. I'm glad to hear you're sounding so much better. How are you doing? Oh, I'm feeling better today. I really am. Yeah. Although, if my wife is listening, it's still a bit poorly. still a bit poorly. Yeah. You know, still a bit of a cough. Put the kettle on. Yeah, yeah. 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 Put the kettle on. Listen, my wife always says the same thing to me. She says, you know what? You make the best tea. That is such a cop-out. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, you wash up so much better than I do. Exactly. Oh, sorry. No, that's what I usually say. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, for me, it's the tea thing. I'm, I mean, the wash-up thing is not a problem, because you know the answer to that, get a dishwasher. Problem solved. Oh, I've never had a dishwasher. Really? Oh, no, never. What, what, are you a savage? No. But, uh, to be honest, it gives me a chance to put the phone by the sink and just let the Facebook watch videos flow as I'm washing up. It gives oh, me a nice excuse. Don't get me started on that. Do you know, one of the things I found with this cold is I can't sleep particularly well. Um, oh, I noticed my 5am text this morning, I know, yes. Well, 5am club this morning is, is getting better. It was the 4am club for a while. Yes, that's right. Thank you. So clearly things are improving. Although in saying that, I had been up since... I, do you know, I actually went to bed last night at half past 10 and I fell asleep at half past 11. Yeah, that's good. And I woke up at 20 past 12. Uh, <laughs> and that was me then, up the whole night. I could uh, not sleep. Um, and of course, the thing is, our little dog, Dougal, was getting freaked out by my coughing. So every time <laughs> I would cough, he would start wandering around the room. So I had to put him back in bed, and then I'd go back to bed, and I'd lie down, and I'd cough. And did you then, tuck him in? I did. He's got a little blanket. He's got his little bit. He's got a memory foam. Do you know he's got a memory foam bed? This is, is the he? most... He's the best looked after dog oh, on earth. Spoil. I haven't even got a memory phone better. I'm lucky to get a bed. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Just that futon you've got there, yeah? Is that, exactly. Is yeah, yeah. Um, well, look, we've got lots to get through today. And in particular, I want to thank everybody for your voicemails and your emails because we get so many of them coming in. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, lots of comments following our chat yesterday on Restoring Sight. I had a feeling this topic was going to be. Yes. Um, a bit of a, a conversation starter. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't feeling great yesterday, so I, I felt my, maybe the, the way I was putting things across wasn't perfect, so I apologise for that. If It was just my brain fog yesterday was was ridiculous. And, you know, I am not, I, I have to say this, I am not the kind of guy, I don't know if we, any of us are really, but I'm certainly not the kind of guy who can do two things at once. So, you know, I thought... I thought so, I, what were you doing at the same time as recording the show? Well... <laughs> <laughs> on Amazon, obviously. Uh, but no, um, I could tell you a story about that, but we'll keep that for another day. Please don't. But no, it was, it was when you're using Clean Feed, right? It's great because, you know, I can actually have all my, my audio clips loaded in as we play in here. I love telling people how this, this, show, this show actually yes. works. Uh, but Clean Feed is brilliant because you can load in all the clips. It's, a, it's the only time, other than using, and I'm talking here on the PC, right? If, on the, if I'm on the Mac, I would use Farago, which is that soundboard, which is brilliant totally accessible from that company, Rogue Amoeba, which is a great piece of software. And if you're doing any great event company. stuff, what do you say? A great company, it Rogue is, Amoeba. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, see, I told you, I can't do two things at once. I can't Sorry. talk loudly <laughs> and listen to you. <laughs> you, you carry see, on. I'm proving it. Um, but yeah, so on the Mac, I've got Farago, and it's brilliant. And of course, you can use whatever you like. You could use Zoom or you could use whatever. So, you know, I, I know friends of mine who during the pandemic who were blind were using Farago to do like... Uh, quizzes and stuff because they could play in the music and they could play little clips of things and do whatever, right? It's not just about radio shows. You could do lots of different applications with it or perhaps you're doing a meeting and you want to play some audio in or whatever. Uh, but on the PC side, I haven't really found anything equivalent that's as good. Now, nope. in this case with CleanFeed, and this is, they call it something that's really for broadcast, but to be honest, you could use it for anything. You could use it for a meeting. I don't know if it's the best platform for that. I don't know. But certainly it's, it's a great platform to get people together in high quality audio and, you know, have a conversation. But that's, and that's how we do the show. Um, and it's funny because we, we were kind of trialing it, weren't we? We were kind of testing it. We were, yes. It's working well. I think we're quite pleased with it. But it's this, it's this audio clip thing. So you can play, you can you know, easily load in the clips 
And what I find is the best way to do it is if you actually go into your file explorer and you actually number all the audio. So you say one to 12, whatever it is you're doing. It means that when it loads in, it will load in in that order. Um, and that's perfect because it means then you know exactly where you are with things. Yes. Um, but yeah, really good loads in the clips and I can play it. But the problem is it's playing in my ear at the same time. So I have to use that that fantastic feature of JAWS, which is the volume balance feature. So you do insert space V and then B, and then you can hit the left or right arrow. And whatever you hit left or right, that's where JAWS will be placed. And then the audio from your computer will go into the other ear. So I hit right, and that means JAWS comes out my right ear, and you're on my left ear. Terrifying. Hello. Left. Like. Split audio. Yes. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So why, why does that mean you can't do two things at once? And, well, you and see, the problem was you. yesterday yes. I didn't do the volume balance thing. So I'm trying to listen to oh, it right, okay. and hear you and think all at the same time. Oh, it's impossible. Say that, it was entirely impossible. I actually think, if I'm honest, I don't think the word hero is strong enough. <laughs> Look, it's a difficult conversation we had yesterday. There's there's, yeah. there's a lot of nuance to it, so yeah, it's, it's understandable. I, I, I think it was fine. No, we got well, some feedback, I, we so did. we'll find out. Well, let's hear from Tom first off, who I think really sets the tone of our of our uh, discussion on this. So, Tom from Long Island, New York, uh, got in touch with us on email. Laura reads our emails. Hello, Double Tap Crew. In the last decade, scientists have been concentrating on restoring sight by implanting an electronic chip in the brain that would take a signal from a camera and decode it to pass on the information to the brain, which would generate a picture, which we call sight. This technology totally bypasses the human eye and optic nerve. The camera could be placed on the arm, yes, Stephen, the arm of a pair of glasses, or in the future, a prosthetic (laughs) eye could be used as the camera. This seems feasible. The question is when. Great thought-provoking discussion. Take care, Tom. Long Island, New York. Tom at yeah. Out of Sight 5. Thanks, Tom. You know, you know, you're really setting out the other stall because ultimately that is what Neuralink is suggesting yes. that they will do. But as Tom says, this has actually been going on for a while. We talked about this yesterday. Was it Second Sight? Was that the one I was thinking um, of? Yes, yeah, Second Sight. That's the company that went bankrupt and left a lot of people without you know without any support for a, an implant, a medical implant. So there's, um, yeah, this has been done before. This isn't a new technology by any means. No, it's not a new technology. But I think it, the question comes, well, it depends on how you want to look at this because a lot of people will look at it from the point of view of, I'm terrified of the tech. That's one argument. Uh, so I may not want this. Or, yes, I love the tech. I want it. There's other people who will say, I don't want fixed. We had that comment from Lynn yesterday on, on Twitter. She yes. said, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need fixed. So, you know, why are we why are we trying to fix each other in this sense? I think that's another side of this conversation. Um, Camille gets in touch with us. Thank you, Tom, for that email, setting us off. But here's Camille's take on it. He's uh, less positive, shall we say, uh, about uh, the news from Neuralink and indeed this kind of tech in general. Again, Laura reads our email. Monday's episode was really deep, to say the least. I do not agree with Sean and many others in that I would not hesitate one second if I was given the opportunity to have my eyesight restored. Being vision impaired defines who you are and how you function, of course. For the record, until 2010, I had a 2080 eyesight and definitely did not consider myself as disabled. People I worked with did and wanted me to join a group of advocates for a better work environment. I was happy with my large monitor and declined to join. In 1996, when interviewed by Radio Canada for a short segment to appear during the Daily News in the White Cane Week, the reporter introduced me as a person with very, very little vision. I was not impressed. The segment featured me playing broom ball with sighted people, playing curling with sighted people. The segment also showed me at my work desk in front of a large monitor. I guess I was not ready to admit that I had an impairment. Most people I talk to would love to have their vision restored so that they could drive, which would give them a lot of independence. I am not convinced that seeing better would make me happier. Just saying. Have a nice day and take care. Camille from Saskatchewan. Well, thank you, Camille. And I think that really opens up the discussion to a much wider level and and I guess a much deeper level because what you're talking about there, and it's interesting you bring up language and the way people describe you and at that time how you felt and then you came to that conclusion yourself that actually maybe this is not about them it's more about me and and my denial and i think a lot of us go through this oh absolutely 
Yes. I'm, I know, I'm little, I know whenever we talk about it, whenever we do this, when this topic comes up on our show, and it is a tech show, honest. There you go, that'll please yes. people. Well um, but, you know, it's hard not to accept that these social issues are a huge part of this. And, you know, we are, and we're not unique as blind people in this. Everybody, I think, is in, a, is in this position in some way or another. There's a, there's a point where accepting who you are and that sounds so American, and I hate it. Well done, you. But it's, I know I'm such an inspiration. <laughs> but it is it is so irritating to me when I hear that. But I, it's actually all the reason it irritates me. I think is because it's so damn true that you kind of have to accept who you are as an individual. Uh, because without that, you'll never really move on, and you will end up in a situation where I see many people, people who you know, in quotes, advocate for us as blind people, tend to get very shouty around language and the way people describe us and the way we're... And I often think my sort of reading of that is, hmm, you're in denial. Because I've been there. I've been there myself. I've seen a lot of this where it's just people are in denial. They, they, are, they don't want to admit that they've got a visual impairment. I was there as well. You know, I didn't use a white cane for long enough. And it was only when I walked bang on into a, a railing in a, in a street, which if <laughs> you were... had told me, if you had said to me, <laughs> is there a railing in front of you before I walked into it? I'd have said Absolutely no. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And I walked bang into it. And, and, and honestly, it was literally the biggest wake-up call I ever got. Because at that We've point, I realised my eyes I couldn't trust. Now, all of us have got that moment, that situation. I bet everyone listening to this, if they've gone through you know, being sighted and losing their sight, they've all got that moment where they thought, wow, okay, this is it. Whether it's, uh, I remember someone telling me, you know, getting off a train and 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 almost stepping into a, a child's buggy, you know, a pram, mm. um, and, and someone else uh, riding a bike and almost hitting someone. There's all those those situations where we all go, okay, you know what? I'm blind or there really is a problem here and we got to accept it. Yeah. But I, I'm, I've got to say, excuse me, I've got to say there is, I'm a little confused because uh, Camille said there that, you know, I disagree with Sean. I would jump at the the chance to get your sight back. And that's exactly what I am saying. I'm saying for people who say, you know, I don't need fixing, I think actually they're missing the point of, of it is a disability and we need to accept it is a disability. And yes, you can feel comfortable with it. This is, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. You can feel comfortable with it, but at the same time, restoring a, a sense and, and, and fixing a, a disability is, is, is a positive and I find it hard to see it as anything else. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it comes back to the tech thing, right? So, you know, does that mean you would want this kind of tech? It doesn't sound like you do, Camille. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting you said seeing better wouldn't make me happier. I find that an interesting statement as well because I've equally met many blind people who went through partial vision who said they felt better about life once they lost all their vision. Now, I know to some people, especially my sighted friends, they would be like, how can you even think like that? But it's like one of those situations where you really have to go through it to understand it. Yeah. And there's no other way around it. All the you know advocacy and all the awareness raising you can do, it never amounts to the experience because you just can't experience it. You know, when, when, when I've got friends of mine who are black and they tell me about their experiences every day, and I think I can't understand that because I don't have that life. I don't have your experience. And it's the same thing. It's the same for women, friends of mine who are women. They, they have different experiences and, and you cannot experience that until you go through it. And, and you know, that's not to say we can't empathize with each other. We can. But I think that's the important bit. It's like we've got to realize that we're all kind of, we all, each of us, no matter whether we're disabled or not, we all kind of face a challenge of some degree. That's yeah. why I'm always very cautious about the, you know, the sighted people are this and the sighted people are that. Oh, you know, yeah. Everyone's got yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've no, all absolutely. got problems. I mean, I would. I mean, I remember the the joke was that I've got 99 problems and none of them are my blindness. Um, yeah. You know, because it's there's a lot of things going on in people's lives. You know, but um, I, I just I'm sorry, I just don't go with that. That's all blindness. It's a huge effect on your life. It well, no, does. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not. No, I'm not saying that. No, but, I know, I know, but I, I mean, I've heard that same remark, right? And and I totally get it. I totally get with people being comfortable. But anyway, that's, listen, that's, if, you, if, you're, if you're 90 years old, right, and you're blind and your knees aren't great and you struggle to walk, I bet any money if you asked someone, you know, how are you doing today? That person, they would say, oh, I can barely walk. My knees are so sore. You know, that's going to be their problem that day. 
Yeah, because that's the thing that's bothering them. That's right. Yeah, you know, it, absolutely. It's, it's it, what I'm saying is that it's more. We, we, this is why I hate identity politics. I really hate it because what it does is it just drives everyone to have this conversation in this narrow vein, and you can't you can't step outside of that and say actually today I feel okay, but actually this is annoying me, or you know I'm struggling to pay my bills, or I'm you know struggling to heat my house or feed my family. You know you can't come out of that bubble because it's like well you're not that's not your track. I've had, I, I remember years ago mm-hmm. I, I worked in a place where they they told me stay in your lane on this. This is your thing. You do this. And you talk this about is, this, this and you is don't, my thing. Yeah, and it's like don't don't step outside of that, and that's why I love being here at AMI because you know I feel free to talk about the way I, things I want to talk about, and you know I will say laterally at R and I B I was the same, um, you know because I felt I was able to talk about things the way I wanted to talk about them. Although in fairness, they didn't get much of a chance to stop me. No, that's true. Um, wow. But I, I, just, I just think that it, it, it brings up a lot of emotion with this stuff. And, um, you know, well, of course it, it is. Yes, yeah, because it's something we've been through and it's it's very emotional. And I suppose for you and I, maybe the maybe it's just you and me, but I don't think it is. But, you know, you and I probably are sitting here thinking because of what we've gone through and we've gone through, although we're very different eye conditions, like I was saying yesterday, you know, different eye conditions, different experiences. But there is a similar vein here. And you and I have, I think we've been so close over the years because of that shared experience that even though it's not the same, it is very similar. Yeah. And, you know, we both have gone through that partial sight experience, you know, where it's just, it's horrible, you know, that partial sight thing, which I still have. And, you know, and I know you're having less and less of it. Yeah. But, you know, I have almost felt in a way the the more vision you've lost, slightly more confident feeling that you've had. You know, just yeah, just almost absolutely. a case of, yeah. Actually, now I can, that that part of it is gone, so I'm able to kind of not. I don't have to focus on this this constant light show or whatever it is you're getting. It's a, it's a case of being able to throw away the mask anymore. I don't have to try and fit in or pretend that yeah. I can see a little bit and know you know trying to explain to people well I can see this but I can't see that. So yes, I can read the headline of a paper, but no, I'm going to walk into this lamppost every two seconds or a scaffolding or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, it is now. Yeah, I, I I'm blind, and yeah. I, I can just say that easily, and people accept it easier. So it does make your life easier. Let's hear what Jocelyn has to say. She got in touch on voicemail. Hello, gentlemen. Jocelyn calling from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I was just listening to Tuesday's uh, podcast, and the discussion came up on uh, on Elon Musk's and his company's claim about fixing vision. Set aside Musk for a second. I'm not sure even if his name wasn't attached to the project, if I wouldn't have huge hesitations and reservations about it. Now, Mm. I wish, Sean, if there was a feasible way for me to have my vision restored to me, I would absolutely take advantage of that opportunity if it honestly existed. Since it doesn't, I don't. I'm not sure if giving all of the focus only to R&D development, which is still very much in its infancy, is what we need to be doing, or if we need to be splitting those funds up and some of them going to research and development so that one day those can be options and having some of those funds go towards basic improvements that would help us right now. So maybe we can't cure, that's the wrong word, maybe we can't restore everyone's visions if they want to have it restored. If you don't, you don't need to. But maybe we could get together as a community and make it mandatory through city laws that you have to have the sounded crosswalks, that you have to have the little yellow grid squares to tell people where the corners of curbs are, that you can't drive a taxi cab or an Uber without understanding that you have to take the guide dog. Maybe we make them public campaigns where if you don't do sort of these sort of simple and basic, I'm going to say basic, accommodations, then the regular folks, non-disabled people, able-bodied people, I never know what words to use here, (laughs) are pointed out for the failing that it is. Let's make it so that if you want to go work at a company, it's no longer a right to accommodate, but that company is fine if those rights to accommodate aren't already in place. Enough of this, it's hard. We just went through several lockdowns. We just literally proved it's not. So let's stop accepting those excuses. 
right now and let's work towards restoration of sight and repair for some, probably not all eye damage, for those who want it as a later point, knowing that we need the technology to grow to get there and we're a great community to work towards getting that technology there because we know what it is that we need. Same as an amputee is going to know way better than I am what should go into a prosthetic limb. They're the ones that are going to be using it, not me. So setting aside the debate on whether or not one should get fixed, shouldn't get it fixed, I don't know. I was raised in a family with RP as a generational trait, so I didn't know that having contrast strips on your steps wasn't normal. So I was a teenager, and I went to other people's houses. I thought everybody had that. I thought everybody had extra lights put into their kitchens so that their mom could see to cook. Never occurred to me that wasn't the norm. So I don't know if that would have skewed how I view my disability because I know it's a disability. I also generally don't have quite as much reservation as asking for assistance as some other people that I know within the community do. I don't see it as a negative. It's just a part of who I am. I do all the things I want to do. I just don't do them necessarily very well. Well, I mean, you could do sighted people. I've seen sighted people do some things very poorly. <laughs> so it's something to consider and think about. Though I am interested to see where the tech goes because the idea that one day you could have that choice, terribly fascinating to me. Oh, well, sad there wasn't more about Twitter. <laughs> I'm not sad there wasn't more about Twitter. I'm sure ah. Twitter's fine. I'm sure it'll be around. It's like when Facebook blew up a few years ago, it's it's fine. It's not the end of the world. And hopefully sometime soon, you guys come to Manitoba, you come to Winnipeg, and you do a town hall here. I think that'd be fun. And if you do, we'll go for dinner. It'll be great fun. All right. Bye. Oh, wow. I'm there. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. Listen, I'm all for it. And if you're paying, Jocelyn, then uh, I am absolutely. Over- I am Scottish, you know, so uh, I will eat a lot and expect you to pay. That's generally how it works. <laughs> and I can say Winnipeg, so we're good. Excellent. Let's do it. We're That's there. It. We can. We can say that, as opposed <laughs> to what? Where were we before? Saskatchewan. Uh, yes. That's this it. Yes. Is- <laughs> I gotta say, I totally agree with everything Jocelyn said there. I thought that was great. Some great uh, comments there. Yeah. Absolutely. And when it comes to the tech side of this, right, and the research and development, I, I don't know. Is it? Is this? Is this announcement about human trials and, and the, the, the talk and the announcements that they did? Is it about raising capital? Is it about raising money for that company? I, I, I think it possibly is. But I don't think that's necessarily a negative. But when it comes to technology, and going back to Tom's initial voicemail right at the start of the show there, that medical implant, you've got to have a lot of faith. Again, second vision. Those people now, without any support from that company that's gone gone bankrupt with a chip implanted in their retinas, that you need to be supremely confident. And as Jocelyn said, said there, I think we're in, it's far too immature. It, it's far too early for even thinking about any of this stuff. Yeah, and I have to say, I've been reading a lot of the commentators because it's interesting. Normally, these kind of stories, when they get out into the world, you know, especially if it's relating to disability, they tend to get it tends to go quiet very quickly, right? You maybe get a, yeah. a, a an article on The Verge who are very good on disabled stories or disability and tech stories, uh, or maybe you get an article in, in you know Nine to Five Mac or whatever it is, right? And and then it mm-hmm. just disappears, just goes away. But this has actually opened up a, an interesting conversation, and a lot of these journalists who are turning their attention to this, are saying, this all sounds great, but it does feel like we're a long way off. It's a very realistic and, and I think, sensible approach to this. And actually, I think, and I think even Elon has said this, he's not expecting this to be an overnight fix. He knows that in this occasion, this is a medical device in, in essence, and it will have to be seen that way, and it will have to be regulated as appropriately that way. You know, I, and watching some mm-hmm. of his comments about this, he's not suggesting this is a quick fix overnight, and that this will suddenly be selling out. Yes, I know that these companies need to make money, and I get it. And look, without money, the, these products and these projects would never happen. You know, I mean, you got to you got to be realistic about this. You know, the COVID vaccine came about because everybody threw money at it, and it happened. And you know, I, I saw people saying, you know, God, if we had that for cancer or for AIDS or for dementia or for any other, you know, insert debilitating, you know, condition or, you know, condition that will cause you to die here. Horrendous disease, yes. Yeah. 
you know, th- that would be, you know, if we could just have the same level. It's not, of- no, it's not the same, though. It's not the same. I mean, the, the COVID va- uh, vaccine came about because of the already vaccine work that was being done about the SARS virus for decades before. Well, that, so, that gave them a head start, yes. That but gave without, them the head without start. the investment, without well, the money. The- Legislation was then sort of made to to streamline and fast track that yeah, vaccination urgency. process through. But that's yeah. exactly the point, right? There, was, there needs to be a sense of urgency, and it, it's interesting because when we talk about legislation, you know, I, I remember years ago I, I used to always kind of yawn a little bit at the whole oh, "here we go, boring legislation, government talk, it's so boring." But actually, you know, without it, and, and a good example is audio description here in the UK. Without without legislation. Yes, we would not have the levels of audio description we now have in Absolutely this country. Absolutely true. Yes, because without it, you know, and and you can, you know, people say to me, "Well, how can you, how can you compare that? How would you know?" And it's actually really clear because in the UK, for example, on linear television, there's a requirement that at least twenty percent of all shows are described, and that is a number which a lot of people argue about. But actually, it's it's not a bad number because you've got to discount a lot of live programming live events that wouldn't be described. So when you take all that out of it, 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 you know, 20% is actually quite a lot. And then when you actually factor in how much repeat TV goes on, suddenly yes. you're up to 40, 50% because the yeah. amount of content that's available, you know, being recycled is coming back round and it's, it's got AD. So that's good. However, if you look at on-demand, on-demand TV, there, there's no legislation or there, is it, there actually is a legislation incoming into UK government. It may already be in place in the UK, um, but it's taking time to actually, you know, come through and actually, you know, essentially get its teeth to be able to to force these broadcasters to do it. You know, up until that, there was about eight percent of shows available across like everything. There was very little, very yes. little, because there's no will. And suddenly, once there's law in place that says you have to do this, it's it's almost like, oh, right, okay, now we have to do it. So yeah, that's a big part of it. But you need the investment as well. And you need well, the, forty-four billion would have gone a, a long way to invest in that instead of, I'm going to say, squander it on Twitter. But there you go. That's my own personal opinion. Oh, okay, nasty. Fine. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't care what Elon does with his own money. I really don't. I mean, yes, he could spend it on whatever he wants. He could spend it on I, you know solving this crisis. But you know, equally solving a crisis I, look, again. I, I don't. You say Elon knows this isn't something that's going to happen, and I've heard him. The people were clapping and cheering at the, you know, restoring spinal injuries and, and stuff. I understand that, but they are in no way making it clear that this is a potential uh, positive that may come in the future. They're making it sound like, hey, human trials, this is going to happen. Well, look, they're, they're trying to sell a product, right? Let's be honest about it. If they, yeah, well, if that's, they don't get people interested. That's disingenuous then. That's when you were talking about dangling hope in front of people. When it comes to restoring sight or restoring uh, mobility, but how else do you do it? I don't understand how else. You how do else it do... by being honest, saying, "Hey, this is an interesting technology. Here's the potential of it." But you know, this is maybe decades away. But this is what then we're no one's going to pay any interest because I, I, it's the same interest I pay every time I hear. You know, you see the headline in the newspaper. You know, new drug will change everything, and sight will. And of course, then you read past the headline and you realise, oh, this is just going into trials. It's not even anyone near ready. I'm not interested. You know, you you got to yeah. No, you're saying, I'm not you're saying about creating that. hope, but you, you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start with a vision, at least. Ironically, um, <laughs> I do agree with you, Jocelyn. Though I think two tracks very much should be running at the same time here, and I think you're right about you know what we do today yeah. to make sure that we are seen as at least equitable people. It's interesting because we go back to that thing yesterday we were talking about, and I don't think I said this yesterday, but. I have no idea what I said yesterday, but um, I, I, you know when we talked about people with disability, was it International Day for Persons with Disabilities versus you know International Day of Disabled People or whatever the, the yes, alternative yes, yes, was, yes. Judean People's Front or the People's Front of Judea, uh, to take my Monty Python reference uh, in, in there. But um, I I kind of feel that this is where we we kind of we we got to be careful getting caught up in the language barrier and, and because this, this doesn't really help the matter. In a lot of ways, you know, for me, you know, the, the reason I'm not—I'm not against being called a disabled person or a person with—I I don't really care. Handicapped? How do you feel about that one? Um, I, I personally don't care. What I care no? about is action. I care okay. about action more than I do about words. 
You know, if someone is hitting me over the head whilst calling me handicapped, that's not ideal. But equally, if you're calling me a disabled person and hitting me over the head, that's also not ideal. You know, so yes, I'd rather not be hit head. over the head. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm more into actions uh, rather than words. You know, it's funny, the people who always talk about language, the ones who always shout loudest about the importance of language, you know, whenever something is coming up or something is happening, they always use the same phrase, which is action speaks louder than words. It always comes up every time and it always makes mm-hmm. me laugh because I think, yeah, that's kind of my point. That's kind of my point. Action <sighs> speaks louder than words way more than language does. Yes, language is important. It absolutely is. Two things can be true at the same time, though. You know, language can be important, but we shouldn't get hung up on it because actually it holds us back. Action is what's key, and that's what Jocelyn's talking about. Right, I want to get one more voicemail in before we take a break. This is from Eleanor on this topic. Um, Great to hear from Eleanor again. Uh, So, yeah, let's hear uh, your voicemail. Hi, guys. It's Eleanor. On the subject of blindness, my situation is very different from yours. I was born totally blind, which means no conception of light or colour. My condition is retinopathy of prematurity, which means I was given too much oxygen at birth, which detached my retinas. I was born in 1950. I've just given away my age. (laughs) 21. I was three months premature, and they were only beginning to learn how to save very premature babies by giving them oxygen. Until they got it right, it was a choice between being born blind or not surviving. I know what I would choose. Mm. As for being proud of being blind... I don't get it. I'm proud of being who I am Mm -hmm. and what I've achieved during my life. And being blind is part of who I am. And I've lived a very fulfilling life. Of course, being born blind has meant living my whole life in a sighted world and spending my life trying to find ways Round that. But since the seeing part of my brain was never fully developed, I couldn't get something that I never had in the first place. Even very young babies who lose their sight could potentially get it back. But for me, that is not an option. I love my guide dog, Braille Books and Smart Speakers and try to live my very best life. Bye. And I hope you're feeling better, Stephen. Oh, thank you, Eleanor. I'm feeling better. I am feeling better. Thank you. Um, I've got to say, you know, some much-needed perspective there, right, I think, on this argument, uh, because, you know, what Eleanor's talking about is, you know, look at the time when, frankly, it was a case of live or die. Uh, with eyesight, look how far we've come just in, in what, 50, 60, what are we, 70 years? 70 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. Um, you know, we've come a long way just in that pace, space of time, and it's important to to realise that. So progress is certainly getting good. But yeah, I, I think ultimately this is a, a question which we'll never really get the, the right answer to. There is no right answer. There is no, very yeah, individual. I don't think so. It's very individual. You know, someone who, like you, Eleanor, you've been born blind, you've never had the experience of sight, you know, and that's, it, it, does that? I often I wonder this question: Does that make you disabled, or is it the, or is this where the the point about the social model comes in, where actually the world disables you? You remember a friend of ours once years ago said um, that when she was at school, she was at a blind school, and she said that when she was there, she wasn't disabled because everything she needed was available to her, and every That's format right. was on braille. Everything was there. Yeah. You know, she was she was taught braille. She was taught to do it, read it properly. She, you know, and we're talking a good few years back. And um, she's an interesting I, concept. She said, that. when I left school, that's when I became disabled. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's really interesting. And that, this is why I find that this whole thing is, it's not set in stone. There's no right or wrong here. No, 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 of course not. Uh, but it's a very interesting discussion. Look, we could talk about it for days. I'm sure we'll continue talking about it. And please do, if you want to 
drop us a, a message if you're sitting there thinking, I need to say something to these people. Uh, or, hey, I just want to <laughs> say hello or get in touch. Please do. Feedback at doubletaponair.com, uh, 1877 Lots more of your feedback on the other side of this. Can't get enough Double Tap? Subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of Double Tap every day. Visit doubletaponair.com and follow us now. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. This is Double Tap. Stephen and Sean with you today. Guys, you know what? You're a smart audience. You really are. Uh, You're smarter than me. And that, I have to say, is, is a low bar. But um, <laughs> you're smart people, and I really thank you for your, your comments, your, your your considered views as well, because I think what's great about this is we have these conversations in our community, and, you know, it, it just feels so grown up. You know, it's not like I feel like we're having a, an argument on Twitter, and you're right, and I'm wrong, and nah, nah. you know, it's not that. It's just so, you know, I, I love it. I absolutely nah, nah, love nah. it. We were just saying during the break there how lucky we are. Some great, great listeners. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, listen, let's get to some more of your emails because uh, we've got one here from Bev who gets in touch with us regarding his iPhone. Here's Laura. Hi, Double Tapper guys. I have a 2022 SE and currently operating 15.7, I think. Okay. I sometimes have a screen curtain come onto my phone. It doesn't bother me, but my sighted wife gets upset when she can't see my screen. I was in my local Apple store last week and asked about keeping the curtain away. The rep we were talking to tried to remove the curtain but was unable to do so. His recommendation was to download iOS 16.1 and that should solve the issue. I've heard a lot of negative comments regarding the latest iOS and am somewhat reluctant to mess up my phone. Do you have any suggestions? Should I or not? Bev. Uh, Okay, thank you, Bev. Well, look, first off, I think Sean and I are going to fall over each other to to get to the answer to this one for you. Um, (laughs) You don't have to upgrade your iPhone at all to do this. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that the guys in the Apple store didn't just even do a quick Google on this because you know they could, if they didn't know, they could have Googled it. I mean, it's quite simple really, isn't it? I mean, so, you know, for, for if you don't know this, uh, and Bev, you, you wouldn't necessarily know this, but essentially you want to triple tap with three fingers on your screen. Now, I will say this, there's another side of this, um, which is that if you have Zoom enabled on your device, that can get in the way of that command. So, you know, if the Zoom is in use, uh, you can tap the screen four times with three fingers. So it's like a quadruple tap if Zoom's on, uh, and that will turn it off. Because otherwise what you're doing is if you do the triple tap, you're actually turning uh, Zoom on or off. So that might not be the case for you, but if people have been going into your phone and maybe just turning stuff on, thinking, you know, because how many times, I had this with a friend who had come to me with a a problem with her iPhone. The guy was totally blind, and they turned Zoom on for him. He's like, oh, just, yeah. They're just going into the thing and going, oh, just turn everything on. Just turn on, you know, a, a smart invert and turn on. Cl- and the guy can't see. It doesn't Large matter. Fonts. Yeah, exactly. Well, make the yeah. fonts huge. And it's like, no, don't, why bother? What, so he cannot see them more clearly? Of course, you can just turn voiceover off with the, uh, if you've got accessibility shortcuts enabled with the side button or the home button, clicking that three times and that'll turn off, obviously, voiceover, but also the screen curtain if your wife is sighted and she wants to use it. Uh, but other than that, it could be. I, I find it difficult to believe that uh, an Apple a staff member didn't know about the uh, three-finger triple tap, but I could be wrong. You you are always amazed at people not knowing things. I am forever un, uninspired by people. Well, okay, I thought Apple were better than that, but uh, who knows? I don't go to the Apple no, store no, very but often. But this is my point. Not everyone what? knows everything. Well, they should do. I mean, they're there. <laughs> they, should be, they should be able to look that up immediately. It's ridiculous. Yes, anyway. exactly. They should have looked it up. That is yes. what they should have done. Of course they should. As opposed to just saying, oh, upgrade the software. Upgrade, yeah. Ridiculous basically, comment. Basically, they're pushing you away. Yeah, just upgrade. It'll be fine. Um, I'm look, surprised they didn't ask you to buy a new one. What, you're sitting on this <laughs> SE rubbish, Bev? Come on, get rid of that. Get something else. No, you, don't, you do not have to upgrade anything. And, you know, do you, do you want to upgrade... I don't know. How are you finding that? I find it absolutely fine. The 16.1.2, I think we're up to recently. Uh, I'm finding it absolutely fine. I will say this, though. I have noticed on a few different apps that if I double tap with two fingers, it it misreads that as a three finger and will bring up something like uh, item chooser or something like that. Uh, The touch interface is mm, inconsistent sometimes. Now, I'm noticing that on 16 
I don't know if that's the same on 15. Well, all I'm trying to say is it, it may be as simple as using the three-finger um, triple tap, but also maybe there is a problem with the, the touchscreen itself. So uh, but coming back to it, to troubleshoot, I would say, you know what, there's absolutely nothing wrong with upgrading to 16.1.2. I'm having no real issues with it. But then again, if you use Braille, there may be some more issues. I would mm. go to appleviz.com and check out the remarks and bugs list that they have on iOS 16 just to make sure there's nothing there that's going to affect you. But I think it's absolutely fine to update. You know what? I'd like to hear from you guys about this because I, I, I'll i be honest, I haven't really found many bugs in it. But one thing I have found is some of the ways, you know, that whole notification thing at the bottom of the screen um, yes, I, I don't. You can like change that. that though, right? You can. Well, turn yeah. That off. I, well, change it to what though? Because it just seems to me that it just either groups them or it doesn't. Is that only the option? I, I thought you could change it back to how it was before, so it, the notifications would just show up instead of being stacked. They would just show up on you know. Oh, as I, a big I, don't, list. I don't know what that is, but that that would be good because I have to say I hate that notification layout. I just yes. hate it. I always forget where they are. And then I'll see one notification. Somewhere. You think, well, where is it? <laughs> and then you oh, hang on, it's at the bottom of the screen, so I've got to swipe down there. And I know you could just swipe left and right, but sometimes when I have my phone up and my MagSafe charger, and I just kind of roll my finger up and down the screen. And you think, where is yeah, it? I do the same, yeah. And I'm waiting until I hear show notification. I'll just do that yeah. double tap. Or just slide down from the top of the screen and just show notifications. And then the whole, the whole audio message thing now on, on iMessage, so, you know, you don't, you, you can't just, you know, where the dictate button, well, actually, you know, where, where the voice record button was, it's now a dictate button. A dictate button, yes. For no real reason I can understand. No. Um, and instead now in the apps bit, so you have to enable the show apps, that's where you'll find the audio record, which is just in there. It's like fourth or fifth in. And the problem with that is you have to kind of go and find that. And I actually don't like having the show apps bit open in iMessage, especially if I'm using the keyboard. I don't when know I, what half of those things do. Well, when I'll you do control down arrow on the drop keyboard. Box in there. <laughs> yes, I know. And I was like, why? You know? Why? What's that for? Because I'm going to Dropbox everything to my wife in a text, you know, because yes. uh, that happens all the time. Yeah, maybe some. I, I believe, though, if you like listen to an audio message, if you go down to the bottom, it will be context sensitive and be the audio button there to record audio that's true so yes and respond it is it's sort of yeah it's really smart but i still tend to swipe around a lot because i always forget oh it's going to be there anyway so yeah it is more tricky than it needs to be i just think it's those kind of things there's a few other bits along the way i thought i just don't like this layout at all um kind of long for the days of 15 you know it was actually quite nice I, I, some of the yeah, changes they've made of, i don't really understand security updates in there i mean mail in 15 i always find terrible yeah, no, you're right fine. yeah i mean all that stuff is great it's not it's not an issue with any of that and you're absolutely right if you want it to, if you want it to be the safest and securest you've got to have the latest but i just don't know from an interface point of view it's not so much that it's buggy although there are bugs clearly and there always will be there always are as soon as something gets updated something else breaks um it's, it's like me trying to put my uh, cups away after out of the dishwasher. Oh, hang on, Always everyone sit back. Here's yes, a get ready, guys. Metaphor or an analogy. It's analogy time. Uh, it's like me putting my cups back in. Always one of them will break. Every single time. It's exactly the same. And you can't oh, prove me wrong. Sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, fine. Very good. Yes. Um, listen, let's get an email from Chris. Thank you, Bev. I hope that helps. Uh Upgrade at your peril, but I will be interested to hear what other people say. So maybe hang on, hang off a couple of days. We'll see what other people's experiences are of iOS 16. Email us or leave us a voicemail and uh, tell us your thoughts. Uh, let's hear from Chris. This is his email talking uh, about uh, the Amazon Echo that we were talking about. I think yesterday or maybe last week. Here's Laura reading your email. Hello, Stephen and Sean. You were talking about the Eero Mesh Wi-Fi system last week and yes. Sean mentioned the new feature with the Echo Dots where mm. they can act as Eero extenders. One thing to know about that, there is a download speed limit that the Echo Dots will support. The Echo Dots will only support a speed up to 100 megabits per second. Mm. With the speed of the internet in most homes today, I am sure this limitation is going to discourage most people from using them as extenders. I am one of those people that had planned on using the feature, but now because of the speed limit, I will not. Not sure why Amazon did not at least make the max speed at least 300 megabits per second, which is the minimum of what most routers support. Chris, who is left scratching his head, wondering what Amazon was thinking. Wow, I did not know that. There's well, a 100 megabit limitation. It's funny, I, di I didn't know the speed, but I knew there was a limitation of it. I didn't want to mention that yesterday, actually, because... Um or whatever we mentioned it, because I, I did 
think that was a, a thing, but I, I wanted to go check it. Thank what you for doing my work for me, Chris, as always. <laughs> well done, always, Chris. The listeners are, are way more ahead than I am. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. That it's got that limitation, right? So that 100 meg, that's not a lot. Uh, but this is, I think the idea of this is more about, I'm guessing, just a way of helping other IoT, Internet of Things devices like bulbs and you know stuff like that connect. Maybe it's more about that. Maybe it's just about creating a wider network. Because if you've got a mesh network in your home, like an Eero network, I mean, I, I'll be honest, my house is not, it's not a mansion. It's not, it's not small, but it's not huge. But, you know, the, the signal I get from these heroes with three of these units placed around the house is incredible. And yeah. right out into the garden, right out to the, I mean, you know, my wife turns into the street and it tells me that her phone's connected to the network. And she's, you know, she's still up the street. And I think, how's that possible? You know, so, obviously it's so good. I mean, I could probably serve the entire street with my Wi-Fi. Yes, ScotNet. That'd be Scott great. ScotNet, coming soon. Um, I'll be charging $100 an uh, hour. Meg. Meg. <laughs> I don't know. That, I, yeah, but if that's the case, then, well, I mean, if you walk in with your phone and it connects to that, then you're going to be limited, right? I, I, don't, well, I don't quite I, get the thinking behind that. I'm going to look into that some more. A good example of that actually was uh, because I had the Euro 5s and I was playing around with the Euro 5s and I thought to myself, because it was the, I got the Euro 6 Pro, I think was the one I bought, and I only bought that one because I just wanted Euro 6 and the Pro version had and the had Ethernet ports. Yeah. Yes. Well, there was another reason because, I, although I, I think it's actually a case now across all the 6s, but on the Pro version, what I had to do is I needed the PPPoE Ability to connect, so because yes. my network, the way it operates, is it has to authenticate via the actual router itself. So you know, you can't just plug into like a modem and it'll just pick up the connection and go. It needs to authenticate to that. So it's it's like kind of I don't know if this is a common thing, but certainly for my provider it is. So what I need to do is is get the the essentially the username and the password from the um, the internet provider. And then I put that into this and it picks up. And the Euro, the Euro 5s that I had, hence why I didn't use these, didn't have that function. And it was never going to get that function. But the 6 Pros did. I think the 6s now have it via a firmware update. And I thought, okay, cool. So I got the 6s and that was fine. But then I thought, well, I've got these 5s. Maybe I'll just hook them up and it will give me like more connection around the home. So yeah. kind of like what the Echo is going to do. But what it did in the end was when I would connect... Whatever I connected to, it just brought the overall Wi-Fi speed down because, you know, it was getting about 600 meg in each room on Wi-Fi. And then as soon as I plugged these fives in, it dropped to about 150. Wow. Okay. And I thought, well, screw that. <laughs> Sorry, but I, I'm not paying for, you know, a gigabit connection and I'm getting 150 meg. I mean, it was okay, but, you, yeah, but if you're going to get the sort of high speed you're paying for, why it, would well, you? Yeah, yeah exactly. So oh, I, I don't know what. I, yeah, um, but thanks, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some reading on that because that seems a really strange decision. But we'll find out. Uh, listen, one more message for now. Uh, there are so many messages to get through. We'll get into more of these tomorrow on the show. Uh, but I want to finish up on this one from Greg, our old friend Greg, who uh, thinks he's got the perfect solution for you, Sean, in regards oh. to mugs. Oh, Hello. Yes. Some suggestions for Sean and his search for the perfect mug. First, consider the Mighty Mug, a modern spill-proof design. Second, for many decades, maritime supply houses have sold a variety of mugs and drinkware designed not to spill on a rolling boat, yacht, blind guy's table. Oh. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania. There you go. Hang on. I, I'll have to find my local maritime shop. Is that well, they may be available on cruise ships. You can maybe get oh, right. one there. <laughs> yeah. Greg, thank you so much. I will check that out. What was it? The Mighty Mug. I don't I haven't heard of that one. Now, I, I sent you the link. You did, yes. To the you table were... coaster, which you, th- you poo-pooed. You poo-pooed <laughs> my table coaster. I did table poo-poo coaster. the table coaster, yes. I, can yeah. I tell you something? I had to go and buy another one because I realised in the, in the oh? changing my office in the past couple of weeks... Yes. Slash months, slash years, slash basically since the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, I, I I must have mislaid. I must have taken it off. Cause I, I actually no. Forgot, well, have you thrown it away? I, I kind of actually know. Now I think about it, I realise what I've done. It was obviously on the desk, and the desk was was thrown out to replace with a new set of desks. I'm sorry. Could you not t- pick it up off the desk? Does it stick? If I on had there remembered that? to do that, 
But, but I on. didn't. What if there was a computer on the desk? Did you remember to take that off? <laughs> no, I, oh, I no, just no, I'll have to one. buy another one. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I can't just possibly remove it. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All that stuff that's on that desk has to just be thrown with it. Yes, I, I'm not moving anything. <laughs> so yeah, Apple Studio display, just throw it in the bin. Get rid. Wow. No, okay. I, I forgot that it was stuck to the desk. So it, when it's gone, because there was something else, it was actually, I had remembered there was a, a letter that I had. I think it was like, a you know, when you get the, the pin number through on the bank? Oh, and yeah. what I'd done is there was you know a little bit just below the desk. There's a little kind of bracket there, or whatever it is that comes across, and you can sort of shove things in there. Yes. And I, so I've obviously put a letter, and I couldn't find this letter, and then I realised that was under the desk. So yeah, I threw a lot of stuff out along with that desk. Sadly, um, well, you were really prepared, weren't you? Really organised. Really. You really cleared it out before you just threw everything in a skip. To, to be fair, I, I threw everything in a skip uh, with about you know half an hour's notice. Because I just kind of decided that day to do it. Yeah. And, well know, done. That, yeah. So, the, so my, my table coaster is gone. So if you're looking for something to buy me for Christmas, Sean Priest. Oh, table coaster it is. That explains why you actually sent me the link. You weren't being organised. You just no. giving me a one. hint. Got it. <laughs> um, wasn't it great? Didn't you, didn't you look this up? I bet you didn't. No, no, I didn't. Ugh, no, of course oops. I never. I just wanted it proof that it was called table coaster because that seems like the most obvious name in the world but you, you were absolutely right so well done but no the, the anti-spill mugs are good they are definitely worth checking out i mean some of them it's kind of funny with the anti-spill because people always do that thing where they go right punch it in the sides so you punch it on the side and I've, yeah. al- I've always made them fall over and it always embarrasses people oh like the cyber truck with um elon again when they threw balls at the window and it just smashed it completely yes, yes. The thing that's okay. not meant to happen just happened. So um, yeah. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to I'm going to search for. I'm going to add that to my search. Anti spill. But then I always think, are they just like stuck to the desk? Yeah. When I go try and pick it up well, from the yes. desktop, that's a it's problem. Stuck there. Well, yeah, I don't want that. That can be a problem because you you, you pick up this you know hot liquid and <laughs> covered in it from top to top. <laughs> Uh, oh. I just want a standard mug. No, no, I don't want anything fancy. I got, I got a Harry Potter cauldron mug here. It's got three legs on it, and one of them's <laughs> chipped off, and it did topples over. It's ridiculous. I actually have the best mug for you. I was just thinking about it because I found it the yes. other day when we were, we were uh, putting stuff away, and it was an octopus mug, and it's got eight legs. Oh, is that how many legs an octopus has? I think it does. I think they're called arms. Right. <laughs> Well, whatever. It, it's got eight of them, I think. And um, and because they all stick out like an octopus would, it's it really good because it holds itself down. It's great. Oh, has it got suckers on it as well, like an octopus? So it sticks no, to no, 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 no. It's not that clear. Oh. Okay, I'll have anyway, that. Send you'll it be over. sad to hear we're out of time. Uh, wow. So we, <laughs> we weren't filling there, obviously. On that, <laughs> on that uh, we definitely were not. Um, we've got so many emails to get through. But, uh, but look, we'll get to more of them tomorrow. And lots more on tomorrow's show as well. Get special guests joining us the rest of the week. More to come on that, but uh, we're out for today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for your emails and your voicemails. Keep them coming. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Thank you. See you later. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.